This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Blank Podcast, the podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some well-known guests. I'm Giles Poe Phillips, and with me today, as ever, is Jim Daly. <laughs> there was a strong... Uh, well, he's here again. No, Jim there Daly. wasn't. There wasn't. I was very aware that in previous podcasts, you've mentioned that I sigh um, before I say, oh, Jim Daly. But I, I was really conscious of it, so I was trying not the, to. The so if I is, did... No, I'm joking. The problem is we've done so many of these interests, I and mean, we're pushing nearly 100 episodes. That mm. I think we've run out of all the ways to introduce each other. Maybe we should mix it up a bit and change Maybe. change what we Maybe say. Maybe we should do like a different language or do it with a rap. I don't know. I think we need to maybe change up the interest. Definitely don't, don't ever rap, mate. <laughs> we've, we've done it. We've done them all. So, yeah. Maybe we should change it slightly. Maybe we, uh, well, let's take some, we'll take the views of our listeners. If, <gasps> if you're listening to this you know bit. would be good? Mm. We could get, and they do this oh, more on radio than podcasts. We could get one of our guests one week. To record the intro with us. You're listening to the Blank Podcast. Oh, welcome to the Blank Podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm so-and-so, and here's Jim Daly and Giles Pelly Phillips. Do you know what? There's a brilliant... Um, I often re-watch the Louis Farouk documentaries, and there's one where he's... Oh, it's, it's a wrestling one where he does wrestling, <laughs> yeah. like, does wrestling yeah. and goes looks, looks into wrestling. And they go to a local radio show in, I don't know, it must be Idaho or somewhere. I don't know where it is but somewhere like that or Utah or somewhere. Anyway, it's a local radio show and the lady gets Louis Farouk to do a whole bunch of those jingles. But he says like, hi, I'm Elton John. You're (laughs) listening to Utah FM 106.9. And then he goes, hi, this is Prince Charles. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're listening to Utah Radio 106. Yeah, because in, in, yeah, in Idaho or, or Utah, they're not going to know the difference. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's genius. It's the way so to do it. Just... So, yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we'll get one of our, one of our guests to do that. Our, our, our dedicated each guests. Each week we can get them to do it. I mean, I, it is, we already asked them to spend an hour with us. I don't want to ask them too much. Well, maybe yeah. we have a different one each week. Um, oh, it's just an idea. I think we're just giving ourselves loads yeah, more work, to be honest. That as well. Yeah. This way we can just do it ourselves live. yeah no one's complained yet about our intros anyway so no one's no, they, they're hitting the little f- the plus 15 button 30 seconds on <laughs> yeah yeah anyway how you doing yeah i'm all right how are you i'm okay actually yeah i'm feeling quite good this week um that's good yeah busy busy but good busy in a good way so that's busy but yeah, good busy, in a, busy but wow actually my counselor would de- deconstruct that wouldn't they busy but good busy and good I'll change that. You don't need the button in there, do you? Yeah, I think... Busy and good. good. Busy and good. Yeah, feeling good at the moment. And feeling uh, busy and good. Busy and good sounds like um, the name of a sort of CBeebies program, (laughs) doesn't it? Busy and good. Busy and good. Busy and good. Here they come, out of the wood. (laughs) Yeah. Busy and good. We've written one. There we go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You can have that, BBC. Well, yeah, we'll get in contact with Emma Kennedy and she can uh, help us <laughs> <Yeah>. get commissioned. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, well, busy, good. I wonder what creatures they'd be. Oh, they'd be. Um... What creatures well, are busy? They live in the woods. Squirrels? They'd be woodland animals of some sort. So, so a, a squirrel, squirrel, they're quite busy. A squirrel and a badger. Is badger good then? Badger's good. Squirrel's busy. Squirrel, squirrels are busy, aren't yeah. they? Busy as a squirrel and badger is good. Badgers are good. Yeah, badgers are reliable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking, yeah. And then you'd have, um, so busy and good, they kind of hang around the, the woods. Yeah. And um, Again, that is the intro to the song. Um, <laughs> well, every episode's the same. Yeah. We're going to make, we're going to get commissioned 28 episodes. Yeah. Because they, that's what they did. And they'd be like a seven minutes each. And, all, and they don't, all they do is they just help. <laughs> they help the other. Help other animals. animals with their blank moments. We've got to keep yeah. it on brand. With they more no, with they busy and good, you know, busy's like always he, he rushes yeah, into he's stuff. Too busy. He's too he, he's too busy, get rushes into stuff and good has to sort of but, come but and but say, good Well, is look, a bit you too didn't have to chilled. do that. And but between them, they help uh, each other out. That's 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 what I'm learning <laughs> on Kids TV, which I'm watching a lot of at the moment. Yeah, there they, they've got to be sort of a moral twist at the end. Um or they, yeah, learn, so, they learn something. Each week they learn something yeah, they from learn, yeah, one of the other woodland well, animals. Every episode, Busy learns that you don't need to rush around doing yeah. stuff, and Good learns that um, sometimes you need to put your ass, get your ass in gear. Yeah, perfect. There you go. Yeah, that's that's how we'll pitch it to CBBC. Yeah. All right. Busy and good. Busy and good. Busy and good. Out of the wood. Busy and good. Come busy <laughs> and good. Adventures in the wood. Or something like that. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Anyway, yeah. should we introduce this? No, actually, should we do tweets and then introduce this <laughs> we week's, do tweets. This week's guest. I've got a tweet here from Taryn oh, Rule. She I says, recently one. discovered Blank Pod on Spotify with Giles Payphips and Jim Daly talking blankly with loads of interesting people. Started with David Harbour, as I thought my 13-year-old daughter would think I was really cool. She didn't. <laughs> But still well worth a listen. <laughs> yeah, I did see that tweet. Really nice tweet. Made me laugh. That made me yeah. laugh a lot. Taryn, thank you. Yeah. That's such a nice tweet to receive. Um, and here's one from Kate W. Who says, Today's magical moment of serendipity goes to Blank Pod. Started listening today to a 2018 episode. Heard Roisin Conaty talking about celebrities' little victories. And you will never know how much I needed to hear that today. Thank you. 
Well, that's lovely, Kate. Thank you. Lovely. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's really nice. Thank you so much. Really kind. Really kind to send that over. Yeah, lovely. And that is a good episode, the one with, with Roisin as well. Oh, it's a brilliant episode. One of our first. One of literally our third, second or third, I think. So, mm. um, and it's nice. It's nice that but, people pick up the pod. We said this before in a previous episode. Some things come into your life when they need to, and clearly that yeah, episode exactly. did, Kate. So, thank you, Charles. Mm. Before we move on, people might have noticed that this isn't a Tuesday. This is a Thursday. In fact, it's Thursday, the twenty fourth of December, aka Christmas Eve, because this is our special Christmas Eve or Christmas bonus episode. Yeah, a little extra for you for Christmas, like a little Christmas gift yeah. from us to you. In your stocking. Yes. Don't know how podcasts be in a stocking. Anyway, um indeed it's a little Christmas gift. Are you are you it's a weird Christmas this one, isn't it? Twenty twenty. Mm. Are you are you are you looking forward to Christmas? Yeah, it'd be nice to just be the it's gonna be the four of us, um, my wife and the boys. And uh yeah, it'd be nice. It's gonna be quite one. We're not even we're not even having turkey this year. Wow. We I'm so, doing what, what are you um we're going to have, like, aromatic Chinese duck with Ooh, pancakes. Very nice. And, um, and um, hoisin sauce. The, the kids didn't want a roast dinner. That's what they wanted. So well, there you go. who am I to deny them on Christmas? Indeed. Indeed. Um, well, I hope you have a good one, and I hope that our listeners have a, have a good Christmas as well. Um, I know it's been a tough year this year, but, um, yeah, so this is our little Christmas bonus to our listeners. We hope you enjoy it. And just this is us saying as well that we are taking christmas off for the rest of the year so you, mm. this is the last pod of 2020 it is and then we'll be back with lots of new exciting pods yes got lots of exciting ones coming up we really do so that'll be early december at some point yeah yeah i think so yeah well, not early december late december i meant january sorry <laughs> early january <laughs> early january early january um so keep an eye out on your pod app or, or, or our twitter feed and stuff and we'll let you know when the next episode is 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 here but um this is it for 2020 and we're signing out giles with a fantastic guest um, yeah today's guest is charlotte hawkins the um, fantastic broadcaster and presenter she presents on G- gmb good morning britain alongside Susanna and piers morgan yeah. and um sean fletcher and ben shepherd and uh, lots of other people. Um, there's lots of people that host on that show, but yeah, she's she's a mainstay of that show. And uh, yeah, we talked to her a lot about her journey through journalism, working her way through local news and local news broadcasting. Meridian, she's from the same area as me, so she's from West Sussex, which is the I'm in East Sussex. So yeah, hmm. Meridian News was the local kind of news service, and uh, yeah, her way of working up through that into working on Sky with Eamon Holmes, and then obviously now with. Good morning, Britain. And Charlotte's a lovely, lovely person. Been trying to get on the pod for ages. It's a really nice interview. There's, there's, we've got the, the three of us got quite a lot in common, actually, in, in terms of sort of Charlotte's background. Mm. Uh, Chichester pops up and local news. And there's a few anecdotes of me about how bad I was as local reporter, which I've probably told before on this podcast. Um, so it's, yeah, and there's lots of good advice in this episode. Charlotte's got some really Loads nice advice. advice that I would say is translatable mm. for a lot of different. Yeah, and definitely listen through to the end because there's a really lovely bit at the end about, about getting through Black Absolutely. Moments. So, yeah. so I think we should just delve straight in now. We should. Uh, this is the wonderful Charlotte Hawkins on the Blank Podcast. I got this came in the post today. It's a good this one. is my Christmas yeah. jumper. Yeah. yeah, I thought it might be a bit early to put on a Christmas jumper. But... I don't think so. I think this year anything goes. Yeah, it does feel. Does it? 
don't know if it feels like this to you, but it feels like we are starting Christmas even earlier. Yes. This year. Because I, I think that everyone wants something to look forward to, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm definitely going for it this year. Decorations are starting to go up. The Christmas tree is going to go up ah. early. I'm on it. We've um, Yeah, because we were thinking we might do that early as well. I, I, normally, I think past bonfire night, I actually think it's acceptable. Do you? Straight after bonfire Wow, that's, that's going on. Feeling early. Like that's like, sick, not, like the 6th of November. I don't know, I think that's okay. <laughs> but I think you're right, this year, like, people need something to look forward to, so I'm totally with it. Yeah. I'm looking at my mm. window, because the window goes out to the back garden. We apparently are growing a Christmas tree this year. Oh, I'm looking lovely. Out. I can't see anything that looks like Quite a Christmas small, is it? tree. Oh, okay. Are you going untraditional this year? You're just going to like cut down a silver birch or something and stick (laughs) it in the front room? It's 2020. The Christmas tree is 2020. Yeah. No, I can't see any. I've hit record, by the way. Oh, okay. Should we go? (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Let's just go. Sorry. We don't do an intro. We just talk (laughs) about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't. um, We we don't do traditional Christmas tree. We always, we've got a fake one. You've got a fake Christmas tree? Yeah, we always, we've always had a fake one. I mean, we've, we've done. Well, occasionally you've got a real one, and then we put it in another room, but we've got a big fake one. That's, Is that well, bad, do you think? Well, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> we actually, for the first time this year, are going to get a an artificial one. I don't know. What's the nice yeah, way of calling I mean, like it? An I know, yeah, yeah. Rather than, well, I said a yeah. fake one, didn't I? Yeah. Um, normally, we would have a real one, but because we're going to go early with our Christmas decorations this year, yeah, yeah. I just thought there's nothing worse than getting to Christmas Day, and you've got a tree that looks all droopy, you've lost all the needles, so it's looking a bit bald. So I thought, actually, we're going to get one, an, an everlasting Christmas tree. That's a nice way of calling yeah, it, exactly. isn't it? So yeah. Christmas tree That's for life. what I'm going to call it, an everlasting <laughs> Christmas tree. Um, but my little girl, Ella Rose, um, she loves having her own tree to decorate. Um, yes. Well, I mean, my boys do I too. say she loves having it. It's quite nice for me that I get to put all the sort of colour coordinated white and silver ones on my tree and then she has the tree where anything goes so she can put whatever she likes yeah 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 that's lovely yeah my my boys have got yeah exactly my boys have got two little ones that they have in their bedrooms and they just put they put all sorts of weird stuff lego (laughs) and um like just droop old socks on it and stuff I mean, whatever, anything goes on. Well, this year it'd be like face masks, (laughs) you know, hand sanitizer baubles. I I, I saw someone had done a Christmas tree and they'd, yeah, they'd hung, um, they'd hung like, uh, yeah, rubber gloves, Dettol, swap wipes, uh, masks. Yeah, it looked quite good, actually. (laughs) I was quite tempted to do something similar myself. (laughs) How have you found, because you've, obviously you've been working through this time. Yeah. and it has its challenges, I guess, like just, you know, negotiating, going in and doing all that kind of stuff. But has it been we, – we had Nicky Campbell on a few weeks back and he was saying he's he's found it quite hard going emotionally with all the, the – you know, with the rolling news and, and all the difficulties that people are going through. Have you, have you found it difficult? It's hard. I respect? think when you have a story like this that you know is affecting so many people, you do feel – a massive sense of responsibility it brings it so much closer to home and you know you want to make sure that you're getting all the right information out to everybody you want to make sure that you're asking all the right questions that you're you know challenging ministers on decisions that have been made on decisions that haven't been made and you know this boils down to people's lives at the end of the day and it's 
It's a strange news story from the point of view that usually for us, you've got a breaking news story and it's it's there for a period of time, isn't it? And then it's resolved or things move on. But for this one, it's just been ever present for months mm. and months and months. So it's a weird situation, I think, when you work in news that you're on this sort of heightened state of alert mm. on like a permanent basis because you're always having to look out for what's happening. And I, to at the beginning, you know, I was all over it. I kind of, I had to watch every news conference. I, I wanted to know all the latest details, figures, information, and I had to start um, like rationing myself a bit. I had to say, look, I can only look at the news and get an update at certain times of the day because otherwise it was just taking over everything. And I think because it was so disheartening, so gloomy, such bad news, such worrying news for everybody, you know, that people for all sorts of different reasons found it really difficult didn't they to cope with it just to process it emotionally because of what was going on whether they knew people who'd been affected whether they were worried for themselves for the family for for whatever was going on and and just getting used to different routines is actually I found more unsettling than you'd ever imagine did you find Mm. it draining I found I found checking the news every five minutes see what's happening like mentally quite draining I'd find I'd be really tired by the end of the day and I hadn't I mean, I famously don't work very much. I hadn't done <laughs> anything, but just by like checking Twitter and checking all these updates, like mentally, yeah, it's quite I think tough. It, it is, isn't it? Because I think it has that emotional toll on you, doesn't it? You know, you're you're looking at everything that's going on. You're sort of hoping for good news. You're hoping for the, you know, the the figures of how many people are being affected getting better. And and then it's just so disheartening when that's not the case. And I think, you know, changing changing routines people not being in the same sort of work pattern that they normally would be I mean I was coping with homeschooling as well at one point which was a whole new uh, level of challenges I think you know it's a bit crazy when you're doing a job and homeschooling and everything else that goes alongside it so it was crazy but that time that time was definitely exhausting and um yeah, just just the whole thing. I look back now, and it just seems like did we did we dream all of that? I mean, it's you know yeah. at least it feels like hopefully we're we're kind of coming out of it, but it's just so surreal, isn't yeah. it? When we're coming up to Christmas now, and you're thinking, twenty twenty, what a year it's been. No one's going to forget that one in a hurry, are they? No, no. But I was just thinking for you, like you know, obviously you're you're working in the news, and then obviously we can't there's no escape like regards to those things that we might normally escape to like like i was going to say social media being escape that's not necessarily what it is but but then you've got it all again as well so you're kind of constantly kind of surrounded by it um how do you cope with that i think you just have to be good at um trying to I mean even either you have to just sort of um look at it and and take it in and and just kind of let it wash over you or I think like I started to do where you do have to ration it and you think you know what I'm only going to look at this at certain times of the day and I'm going to really make sure that I I go off and do something else and you know Mm. the things that that kind of keep me sane would be you know listening to some beautiful pieces of music or something just to kind of clear my head or or getting Mm. outside going out into the garden we were really lucky weren't we that the weather was amazing so at least we sort of had that and then other than that it's kind of just counting down to um a gin and tonic (laughs) 
Like you were like, okay, when's, when's an acceptable gin o'clock now? Because it sort of yeah. seems to get a little bit earlier, didn't okay. it? Yeah. <laughs> earlier. Yeah. End of school day, yeah. is that all right? Start getting your work done really quickly. And then you're like, why? It's the end of school time. Yay, let's celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you say about the homeschooling. How did you find, how did you find that? Did you find that? Was it a bit of an eye opener? It was a bit of an eye opener. You know, I, I have so much respect for teachers anyway. Um, my sister-in-law is a teacher, so I know, you know, what, what goes into it day in, day out. But I think you have a whole new level of respect because I only had mm. one five-year-old to teach. And the fact that they have 30 of them in, in one mm. classroom, trying to get them all to do what you want them to do at the same time because our school was great that they sort of gave a schedule of suggested activities for each day so I'd start off the day and be like okay should we do some cursive writing no no don't want to do that should we do some pictures Woo-hoo! should we build a rocket and you just go through the list and you're trying to make it sound exciting and she I mean my five-year-old's great because she's conscientious she will sit down and do mm. stuff but but it's just getting them to do the things you want to, them to do when you want them to do them that I found was the challenge um it's just kind of steering them gently in the right direction sometimes isn't it um yeah yeah, yeah it was well like, we were lucky in our house because my wife is a teacher well, and she like, well literally day one it was like timetable was put out <laughs> for all of us and me um yeah so we were really structured and it was nice and that actually really helped our children I think to have that structure and routine so it didn't feel too weird you know and actually I've been amazed at my kids are 13 and 11 actually how adapted they adaptable they were to it I mean they just took it all in their stride almost and it really did sort of I felt quite inspired by how they were reacting to it and you know a lot of kids have been you know have have been really amazing through this period I think it's been great hasn't it and I think that's the amazing thing that actually you know children um children are really resilient from that point of view they just kind of take it in their stride I worried about LRO's not being able to see friends, not having that social activity, not having hugs, you know, because she's five, you sort of want to, you know, that's the time when you're setting them up for the rest of their lives. That's the time when the behaviours, the things that they do now uh, are going to, you know, replicate throughout the rest of their lives. I don't want Mm. her to get out of that habit and and not get back into it I want us all to be yeah. you know sociable to to hug to to see friends the whole time and, mm. it, and it's sort of been difficult taking her out of that situation and worrying what the effects will be and I think you know I wanted her to see it as a as a special time not as a not as a horrible worrying mm. sort of you know what's going on here I don't know I'm, I'm scared about it all but I wanted her to remember it as as a special time when we got to spend more time together woo you know we got to do yeah, school yeah. at home we got to play monopoly and you know all sit down down as a family at lunchtime and, and do something different you know I wanted her mm. to remember it like that rather than remembering it as, as all kind of doom and gloom and you know we'd go out on a Thursday and cap for our carers and wave to the neighbours and hopefully that's how she'll look back on it rather than thinking mm. well, that was you know not much fun was it <laughs> Yeah. It's hard though as a parent, isn't it? Because you're you you've got your own neuroses and worries and anxieties, and it's hard to then not show them because kids pick up on that stuff. Uh, and it's yeah. in, our daughter's only fourteen months, so she was very young through the pandemic, and we worried the same thing. Although I think maybe she was too young for it to affect her, but we worried she might miss out on the interaction with other 
babies and we took her to monkey music last week and actually she's fine she's weirdly super confident standing in the middle <laughs> oh. of the room literally waiting for the teacher to start like come on when are we when are we going to crack on um I guess that's having a comedian and an actress for uh, parents. Yeah, two egotistical <laughs> people as parents. But I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, like, when when do we? Because I I agree, like, we've had loads of people come on this podcast and have said, "Oh, their kids have been amazing through this and take it in their stride." When do we, as like young people, lose that? When do our neuroses start coming in? I don't know if it's like teenage mm. years, maybe, or something, but... It's got to be teenage years, I, I think. I feel like I've been anxious about life for about 20 years, but I just... Oh. You know what I mean? I just... Kids are so brilliant, but it just... I don't know, it must change at some point, don't know. That just popped in my um, head. And I think it's its sad, though, isn't it? Because I, I look at Ella Rose as a five-year-old, and she's so full of joy and excitement yeah. at everything, and kind of untarnished joy and excitement. Mm. And I'm like, when do you get that cynicism? Yeah. I sort of want to protect it for as long as possible, yeah. the fact that... She just takes everything at face value. And, you yeah. know, you sort of say to her, we're going to go to the supermarket. And she's like, whoa, great, we're going to the supermarket. And I think, when, when do you lose all of that sort of just excitement yeah. at the simple things in life? Yeah. And it just seems a shame, doesn't it? I guess it's, you know, it's just life that gets in the way, isn't it? The but, supermarket, I'm thinking the supermarket um, uh, thing might be around eight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like my kids around eight or nine were not that keen on going to the zoo. Well, even if you said you get a treat at the end of it, I mean, I know that's well, why. Yeah, yeah, do all that as well, the bribes excited. and everything. I guess when you're, can, I guess you can probably still fit in the trolley as yes, well. Yes, I suppose that helps. When, once it? they can't get in the trolley anymore, then the, the, the excitement goes, I think. Rather than that. Yeah. It's not just a free ride. Oh, I used to get pushed around, it was amazing. <laughs> So you got, yeah, we've talked about this off air, but you grew up in Chichester. Yes. Oh, my parents live in Chichester. Oh, do they? Yeah. They moved oh. down there three years ago. Oh, are they, they enjoying it? They absolutely love it. Oh. They have become, I don't know if they listen to this, um, they've become different people almost have overnight they? from moving there. They've just like blossomed massively and they love it. Even during lockdown, they've, they live in a nice little community with other how do I put this? Slightly older people. Um, and, um, but they all really look after each other. And it's just, yeah, they've... And I've been down to visit them a few times. Chichester is such a nice place. It is absolutely gorgeous. But, yeah, whenever anyone mentions Chichester, I'm always like, woohoo, because mum and dad love it down there. And they've just really really just blossomed oh i'm really pleased well i yeah so i was born there and and grew up there and and the thing is that's great about it is there's a really strong sense of community Mm. my Mm. mum's still down there now and she lives sounds like a similar sort of setup to where your parents are because she lives in a a sort of neighborhood where there are loads of people similar to her there and every morning they will pop outside their front doors they've all got benches outside their front doors and they just pop out and have a little cup of coffee. Lovely. So they would kind of have nice. a little wave. And I think it's just keeping up that sense of the community around you, you know, having a bit of a bit of chat that you can have, just that human interaction, isn't it, that's that's so lovely. And I think somewhere like Chichester's just got such a lovely, friendly atmosphere. Um, that's what I found anyway. Although I will say that as a teenager, obviously you get to the stage where it's a bit quiet. Yeah. I'm like, yes, ready to go. Yeah. Let's move on. I was going to say is that, that those kind of nostalgias for like the places we grew up in often come back, yeah. don't they? When we're 
when we're often when we've got children yeah. and stuff I think um yeah so as a teenager yeah did you feel like oh, I want to get out of this place yeah definitely because you know yeah. it, I mean it's it's one of those places it's got a strangely high number of pubs actually for the size that it is so it had <laughs> yeah. its uses from that point of view there was yeah. one nightclub that was halfway between us and Bognor Regis uh, so that's where everybody used to go what was it called it was called oh, Thursdays yeah. <laughs> Thursdays. Thursdays. Yeah. No, no one needs like, to go to Thursdays. Why do these, like, town, English county town nightclubs? We were there on Fridays clubs. and Saturdays. <laughs> all these terrible names. The, our one was in East Grinstead. I lived, grew up in Edenbridge in West Kent. And it, when, when we were there, it was called Martins. And it was, I think, I may have made this up, but I think <laughs> while I was that age, I think it was voted the worst nightclub in Britain. No. Uh, maybe, oh, but maybe pre my time. I, can't remember. I remember it had always well, had sticky floors, even if you got yeah. there really early in the evening. Yeah, and that yeah, certain smell sticky as well. Yes. It's just, yeah. yeah. We had one. We had one. It's closed down only a couple of years ago. That was called the Trek Club. That's not and, so bad. That, uh, that, that, was, that could be an indie club. That doesn't well, sound too bad. No, no. Well, it was because the the owners were Trek fans, like Star Trek um. fans, and there was Star Trek memorabilia that hung wow. from the dance on the dance floor, the sticky dance floor. Yeah, so there'd be like a Starship Enterprise. In the end, I think a lot of them must have fallen down or got broken because. <laughs> There was generally like only like two things. Oh, up there. just a few strings <laughs> kind of hanging down. Yeah, there. some some sad strings hanging down. So yeah, that got closed down unfortunately. There, yeah, the Trek Club, but that was voted third worst. <laughs> I bet he lost uh, the Martins. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. so Thursdays. So was that where you, you would ha- obviously would hang out there on Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays yeah. Well, funny and... enough, we didn't go there on a Thursday because <laughs> oh, we were at school on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's where we'd sort of head although it's one of those ones that, you know it's completely impractical because it was in the middle of nowhere as well so you know you had yeah. to kind of either persuade a friend not to drink and they would drive yeah. or you'd get one of your parents to pick you up not as cool is it really <laughs> nice. come on pick us up on Thursdays <laughs> and then you have to try and eke it out for like as long as possible didn't you to say oh no can I just stay half an hour later just a bit longer yeah <laughs> Yeah, try and stay till the lights got turned on. Basically, yeah. that was what the trek club was. <laughs> so about two a.m., the trek, the the lights would turn on, and then you were like, "Oh, that's what we all yeah. look like. Uh, <laughs> let's go, let's go home." So, what was school like then? Were you academic? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I say I think so because uh, you know, I kind of I was quite in the same way that I see in my daughter. You know, I was quite conscientious I wanted Mm. to be good at stuff and it used to really frustrate me if I wasn't very good at something so I'd sort of plow all my energies into that um I wasn't very good at maths uh that was the thing that used to really frustrate me but loved kind of English drama did French sciences I enjoyed as well but I did quite a lot of music at school so uh I kind of did a lot of the you know the concerts and things like that so uh, I wasn't quite as sporty and I just never got into sport at school, mm. which I, I sort of wish I had done a bit more, but it was that traditional, um, you know, you had to either do hockey or netball or, and yeah. then if you weren't one of the top ones, then everyone oh, else just got like left by the wayside. So uh, I wish there'd been so a bit much more better options. Now, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. yeah, because obviously you can play football and rugby and all sorts of other sports that, you know, were probably weren't, yeah, it was all very stereotyped, wasn't yeah. it? Boys did rugby and football and, and girls did hockey and netball yeah. and yeah, very frustrating. Well, think, but you played. Yeah, sorry, no, sorry, I was sorry, I think that, like these days they do more stuff. Like they would do more 
dancing and just like encouraging people to just be active and I didn't really have that sort of um I didn't really used to to do that when I was younger so it's only sort of more Mm. recently I've got into actually feeling the benefits of going out and doing exercise on a regular basis and I kind of wish I'd had that right from the Mm. right from the start really but I think that schools are better about it now about the options that they Mm. give uh, my my primary school. I went. I went to a primary school run by nuns, a Catholic primary school, which is oh, worth a podcast in itself. Um, <laughs> but we did. Everyone played net. We had very small classes. There was nine in my class, six girls and three boys. Wow, that really is small. small. Um, but we did. We all did everything. So we all rounders was the big thing at our our school. So we all, all did rounders. But we all did football and we all did netball. So from memory, I was quite a good goal attack actually. Well, that's good. I think, yeah. From memory, yeah. But. Um, you never know when that will come in handy. No, exactly. Turn that <laughs> exactly. on the book. Not like <laughs> a gold attack. Um, but yeah, we did. I remember, remember playing netball as a kid. So yeah, hasn't really helped me at all in life. But um, <laughs> but then in secondary school, it was way more like Giles says. Boys did football and rugby, mm. and then yeah. girls did. Um, I think it was just netball. I don't think they did hockey. So yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. But uh, just sort of drop in some facts about my youth there. So, <laughs> well, thanks, Jim. <laughs> but you played piano, right? Though when you yeah. were younger, yeah, I did. Yeah, so I played piano to grade five, played violin uh, okay. grade three. Um, so I, did, I, yeah, played the guitar, the flute, the bass recorder. Um, yeah, all sorts of different instruments. So I was I was kind of really into it at a certain stage, and then of course you know later on in my teenage years, Thursday. yeah, exactly, <laughs> and then um, it kind of all fell by the wayside. But I've, I've got back into mm. the playing the piano now, Amazing. which I really yes. enjoy. I've really loved it, which is it's a good challenge actually, and it's nice just to have one of those activities where you just have to completely switch off, and it's just you mm. and the notes, and that's all you're focusing on. I think it's kind of really good for your brain to yeah. just blank everything else out yeah. and just concentrate on that present moment and on the noise that your fingers are making on the keyboard. I mean, I'm, I. I find it intensely frustrating that I can listen to a beautiful piece of music and I really, really want to be able to play it, but it takes ages, well, it takes me ages anyway. You know, I have to practice each section and mm. then you have to put all the sections together and, you know, it's like, it, it, yeah, it takes a long time. Mm. And at the moment, the piano is in the same room as my where my husband's got his desk so he's working from home the whole time oh right so you can't <laughs> so go and practice it's not like I can, he's on a conference call <laughs> hello everyone charlotte will yeah. perform very badly in the corner of the room yeah <laughs> you could do like a sort of segue music <laughs> yeah. between like, when he's on hold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how long was it between stopping and starting again years I mean, literally years. So I must have given up when I was kind of, I don't know, 14, 15 or something. Wow. So you got to quite a high standard at quite a young age then, if you were getting to like grade five. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of my friends, I had a friend who, who got to grade eight. You know, she she definitely put the hard work in. So she was brilliant. Mm. Uh, so I didn't get that far, that, you know, as high as that. But I did. I really enjoyed it. And um, I sort of wish I'd, I'd kept it up a bit more because mm. it, it is quite hard to to pick up from scratch but um I would I recommend it though mm. because you know it's great to be able to just sit down and play something I'm not quite there yet but I was trying to encourage my daughter that maybe we'd learn something together for Christmas we could sort of surprise people however that 
whatever form that takes us to, you know, whether we're Zoom and I'd be like, here we go, yeah, let's yeah. have a family sing-along. Um, but she's a bit reluctant to to actually be taught anything by me, as it turns out, not just tennis yeah. calling, but she, she prefers her own compositions, which she'll play very loudly. Um, you know, so we'll see. That's great. Yeah, I mean, music's a wonderful outlet. I mean, I've been playing in bands for years and play guitar and, I know, like, if I pick up the guitar, like you, I'm just, it just takes me, my mind off anything. Yeah. I'm just literally in that moment doing, and often, like, you know, trying to write stuff as well. So trying to write new riffs and, and, and songs and stuff and arrangements. That's really exciting. Do you do you mainly sight read or do you, can you play stuff by ear? No, I'm actually probably better at, at yeah, listening to it and then play it by ear. But I will try, okay. I mean, the way I have to do it is by taking a piece of music and just playing and just practicing that piece of music and learning it um, and just sort of putting it together like that. Mm. So it does, it does take me quite a lot of time, but I set myself, it was a news resolution when I started to relearn it. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I wanted to learn this piece by Alexis French called Bluebird, which is one of my favorite pieces. It's so oh, yeah, it's beautiful. beautiful yeah. Piece of music. Yeah, yeah. And it was my news resolution to relearn the piano and to be able to play that piece by the end of the year. And, and I got there. I was so pleased that I could actually Amazing. play it. And then Good Morning Britain had, um, they'd invited Alexis French on to do an interview about his new album. So they said, would you play a duet with... <gasps> Alexis and I have never been so scared in my life because I, I've I've I saw I've seen uh, that video you, of you, you doing it my, and my hands were shaking because I felt this great sense of responsibility yeah. I was sat next to you know this amazing <laughs> pianist who composed this beautiful piece of music and I thought if I massacre it now this would be so embarrassing it'd just be mortifying. Yeah. And what I realised is there's something also very different about sitting at your own piano and playing yeah. something. And, and it's been years since I've had to play an instrument with people watching like that. Yeah. And you really it was only a couple of million the probably. Right? <laughs> no, exactly. It's not like it's just a small intimate family <laughs> gathering, is it? So I definitely felt, uh, yeah, the pressure on that one. I don't think I'll be... Um, hoping to do any more performances in the near future i'll just kind of keep it keep it low key i think how did it go yeah but it was all right yeah i mean i got through he was very complimentary very about good. my it's very my good. It was piano very good. playing Amazing. um yeah it's a beautiful piece and of I, music you know, as well i'm so lucky to get to to be able to play it and you know it's it's pieces of music like that those are the sort of pieces of music that i turn to when um you know, when I kind of, if I've had a busy day or a stressful day or I'm sort of thinking, do you know what, it's all getting a bit much today, then those are the yeah. sort of pieces of music I will put on um, without this turning into a plug. But I've got this, I put them together for um, for an album because I've got kind of, well, I was going to ask yeah, you about that I've got anyway. these sort of go-to pieces of music that I, I love and um, just... It's kept me going to get that bit of escapism, if you like, getting away from it all. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to put them all together on an album and hopefully other people will will enjoy listening to it too. That's actually perfect timing because last night, I would actually love to listen to that album. Last night I was doing an online comedy gig and uh, I I get very nervous before performing, even if it's just online, actually more so. And I was going through my set and I just needed to, I needed some music in my headphones that I could just have in the background, that I could then listen to my set and concentrate on it. And I, I was searching Spotify and I couldn't really find anything. So that sounds almost ideal. <laughs> 
that it does. your album. That'd be mm. perfect. Well, there you go. Next time, just look up Mindful Moments because it does the job for me. And I kind of, I feel it's a bit like a, a musical hug when you've, you're having those moments where you just sort of yeah. need something that will take you out of whatever's going on at that time, just calm you down and chill you out. These are the pieces of music that do it for me. And, um, you know, obviously there are so many beautiful pieces of music, but I work kind of hard at looking at the selection of the pieces that I put in because I wanted a certain emotional response to each one I wanted that kind of connection I got my five-year-old Ella Rose to, to help me so I'd play pieces of music and I'd say to her you know I want you to give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down depending on you <laughs> okay. know what I want a nice feeling from this I want you to feel relaxed and calm but happy at the same time so actually she was great because she'd give like an instant response and sometimes you know sometimes those like sad pieces of music they they they're the slow pieces of music are sad or they're scary. And she'd say, no, I don't like that piece. It's scary or it's making me feel sad. Mm. So I sort of really looked for the pieces that were more positive and uplifting, even though they were kind of calm and slow at the same time. Amazing. I'm a huge fan of um, Ludovico Iron Audi, and he definitely always makes me feel calm, yeah. even though like a lot of his pieces are quite melancholy. Um, but yeah, he, his, his stuff, I've, I've seen him a few times um, live as well and uh there's something i think there's something about music other th- over other art forms for me that that take you away from stuff more even like watch you know you can watch a, you can watch tv or watch a movie or read a book but i think music for me just it, it has i don't know there must be something something in our chemistry that it it adjusts yeah i think so our, our i somehow. think it does i think it does something in your in your brain you know i, I kind of mm. swear that music is good for the soul and um it just kind of has this sort of healing medicinal property in a way mm. yeah something I different agree. like you say you know you could sit down and read a book or watch tv or something but your brain is sort of constantly doing a different type of interaction i think but when you listen to music it almost gives you that sort of rejuvenated feeling Uh, but i'm a massive fan of ludovico inaudi as well and i mean i love i don't know if you've seen one where he performs on an iceberg yeah oh that's so powerful isn't it so yeah, amazing all... how they got that graph <laughs> i don't know on an iceberg <laughs> without feeling that they were about to sink him and yeah, the piano yeah. i do not know but you know it, it's just incredible that. you do need to see it yeah it's really good yeah. and at one point like a whole chunk of ice splits yeah. off the well, another t- iceberg t- behind t- him and I, you're thinking, I did wonder Whoa. if they'd cgi'd a few bits but maybe i'm hoping they didn't cgi I, I hope it's like hope it was real and he was like in, in yeah, any minute he could be crushed by an iceberg, but he just carries yeah, on you're playing. You're not suggesting that he was actually playing in a studio and they kind of just like super. No, not at all. Him. It was all live. <laughs> to be fair, it's good to add. I would say most musical performances don't have the jeopardy of possibly being crushed by an iceberg. So I think it's good no, to add I that in. That, I definitely think that should be a but thing. Yeah, that should be a thing, Charles. I'm thinking. I'm wondering if people can listen to our podcast with Charlotte's album mm. as a music bed. Oh, what oh, a lovely yeah. idea. That could work. Could work. That's a great <laughs> idea. I've gone a bit Brent there, haven't I? But it could, it could work. As a... Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit Brent. But yeah, I think that's a, not, that's a wonderful idea. Well, I'm definitely going to listen to it as well because I, I like, I mean, I'm really into kind of rock music and stuff. So, But it's nice to have stuff that you can just sort of relax to. Yeah, and, yeah I think that, you know, and I think classical music does that 
you know, obviously far more so than Yeah, but I think you get you get something different, don't you? Of all types yeah, of music, absolutely. you know, I love kind of bopping around the kitchens, whatever pop songs are on with Ella Rose, or you know, we'll listen to sort of the Trolls soundtrack or the Greatest Showman or something, you know. And you've got those ones that will really get you going. And then yeah. at other times, you're like, oh, I just need a bit of peace and calm yeah. and tranquility in my life. So it just it's sort of something you can get music to suit whatever mood yeah. you're in, which is great, isn't it? Yeah, my yeah, my absolutely. dad listened to a lot of classical music, and growing up, it was always classical music in the car. I went down to see my dad in Chichester, but it must be a couple of years ago now. And my friends at the time were like, they take the piss out of me for being a bit too posh. I don't think I am that posh, but I I do. I know I have a slight sort of posh twang. And now and then I'll say random posh words like pistachios for some reason, which, which no one else says. But we got in the <laughs> car. Especially if you say pistachios rather than pistachios. Yeah, Pistar- no, no, yeah. no one in my family says it. I don't know where it's come from. It's very odd. Is it scone or scone though, Jim? Well, scone. Hang on. Which one's the posh one? Scone is the, scone. No, scone is the posh one. I think is scone it? is the posh one and scone I think, isn't. I think scone, oh no, I think scone sounds I, posher. I heard this. Scone sounds, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, I was in the car with mum and dad put the radio on and it was some classical music and mum went, oh, it's far too early for Rachmaninoff. And I was like, oh, you've done nothing to help my non-posh argument. That is, that is very oh middle class car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, there we go. Love that. Giles, we have uh, something exciting to announce here in the middle of the podcast, um, and that is that we are launching blank merchandise. It's official. No way. Proper, <laughs> proper merchandise. Proper merchandise. So if our listeners would like to buy blank merchandise, they can go to podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash blank, and you can get, well, you can get a range of things, can't you? You can get T-shirts, hoodies, mugs. What else? Baby grows? Baby grows, because I'm sure... You know, there's a lot of babies out there that love the Blank Podcast. Um, I know mine does. Um, and you can also get... The, we've got various um, designs, haven't we? We've got one that's got our Blank logo on, uh, and then mm-hmm. we've got two that are inspired by pod guests. Yeah, one of them was inspired by Rebecca Callard, who was on, I think, the eighth episode of the Blank Pod. Mm. And hers was to do with her video collection, which we were talked about at some length and we thought that what video library which was the video shop i worked in back in the 90s was an excellent name for a romantic <laughs> band of the 1980s <laughs> yeah and then you made this uh, this great uh, what looks like album cover of you and me with um hair from flock of seagulls um so we mm-hmm. thought you know what let's make that into a design so you can get that on t-shirts and hoodies and, and sweatshirts and then we've got one that's inspired by sanjeev baskar when he talked about the three different stages of blank fearful blank neutral blank and happy blank and we've turned that into a design as well so um we've got various uh, designs that people can can get um and in different colors as well I'm, I'm very excited by this charles i'm really excited it feels like we're a proper thing now it does indeed um so if our listeners would would like to buy some merch um the t-shirts for example are 18 quid um the hoodies are 27 quid uh the tote bags are 17 quid and mugs are 15 quid and of course we do get a small cut as well of of everything that's sold so if you'd like to support the pod um then you can do it in this way and you'll get yourself some exclusive blank merchandise so go to podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash blank um so okay so we've got moving on from music though but when did you 
first think about kind of doing journalism? Was that not until you what, went to university? Uh, I loved watching the local news in my area. We had Meridian Tonight oh, okay. where I grew up. Oh, Meridian, Which yes. had that as well, yeah. Was it Coast to Coast, so, though? We had Coast to Coast. Do you remember Coast so that, to Coast? Was that the one before? That's that? early 80s. Yeah, so I just used yeah. to love it. And I used to watch Fred Dynage present, who's still yes. there now. And that was kind of my dream. I was like, I loved it. You know, they did the serious news at the beginning. And then they always had the great and finallys at the end. And that was just my dream. And I sent them, um, they were advertising for, were they advertising for new presenters? <laughs> a new presenter, I think. And I think I was like in sick form at school. And I recorded myself in my front room. Um, I borrowed a video camera and recorded myself reading the news. Um, just kind of what? made up some news and recorded it. Oh, you did? You made I was going to say, did you pick some news items that were already no, kind I of think, out well, there? No, I think I must have taken it from some... Yeah, I don't think I literally made it up as in, you know, here's a news story, I'm going to completely make it up. But yeah, just kind of wrote my own thing. And I think um, I sort of knew at that age that's what I wanted to do, even though obviously, you know, um, I, I had no experience at all. I, I used to volunteer at Hospital Radio and that was about as far as it went. I wrote for the, the Chichester Observer in the youth section. So I kind of, you know, I love journalism from an early age because I just loved finding stuff out and asking Mm. questions and then telling people about it it's kind of I think when you like being that person that tells other people what's going on then then that's sort of all of those things add up to being a a journalist really so I kind of knew I really wanted to do it and then I sort of realized actually I think I need to go to university uh, actually get some experience and some training so that's sort of what I did and then afterwards um yeah, I did a, a postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism and then started working in radio and then got a job as the trainee for Meridian and um, ended up presenting Meridian tonight, which was just, uh, you know. With Fred? I did present with Fred, yeah. Amazing. So um, Fred, I was Fred just Dynish so lucky. Was, uh, he either presented at my university graduation or was there at the start, but he was like a. Uh, person of honour at my university, which was Southampton Solon. Oh. Actually, at the time at Southampton Institute, which is not as, as a complimentary name as Southampton <laughs> Solon. It changed <laughs> Solon in my final year. But Fred Dynage was down in, in Southampton, big, big celebrity. Yeah, I mean, he's huge down there. Yeah. And um, he's, yeah, he's such a great professional. He's just been in broadcasting for so many years. And it was just such an honour to work with him. And he's a sweetheart as well. We went down to do some filming with Meridian a few years ago when I was at Good Morning Britain. And I I don't know, it's one of those weird things when you sort of go back somewhere like that. And I felt really emotional because I've just felt so lucky to have had the journey that I had and be able to do the things that I've done. And I I got my dream job. And I think that's, you know, that's such an honour and a a privilege. I was just quite overwhelmed by it, really. Hmm. Was that was that a good um, grounding doing the Meridian stuff for for what you do now? I mean, you know, working with people like Fred and um, and, and the teams there, to, to sort you know as a, as a springboard to what you do now. Yeah, absolutely. Because the nice thing about that is, you know, starting as the trainee, you get to to look around at everybody and how they do their jobs and what makes them good at their jobs. 
And I remember one of my bosses at the time said to me, um, because I was always clamoring to do more stuff. And he said, you know, this this is a ladder. And, you know, you've got to climb up this ladder, but it's really important that you are sure-footed on every rung of the ladder. You know, if you're trying to leap up too far too quickly and and you slip down that ladder, you might not work your way up again. Oh, sorry, that's dinging, (laughs) dinging. (laughs) <laughs> don't worry it's cool don't worry um, John cut it it's fine great yeah good luck with that one. Um, so I think for me it was just making the most of having that opportunity where someone like Meridian I worked with some amazing people who were so lovely so friendly so supportive you know newsrooms can be cutthroat places to work yeah. and it was nice to be able to work in a place where, you know, you, you, obviously you didn't want to make mistakes because you wanted to do the best mm. job that you could, but but people would help you. And I remember um, when I started off and I, I was talking to the director and I kind of, I said to him, can you, ha- can you help me? Because I really want to be a reporter. I really want to do news reading. You know, how, how can I do this? So when we were on the late shift, he used to say, okay, let, let's have a practice run. So People, you know, if you ask people for their help um, and say, right, what do I need to do? How do I do this? And I just kind of kept practicing and doing what I could and then just basically pestering everybody to let me do more and more bits and pieces and coming up with ideas. And just I think having that enthusiasm and um, and just I think we're trying to work really hard at the job that you're doing as well, because no one is going to give you an opportunity if they look at you and think, well, you know, they don't want Mm. to be there. But I think if you make the most of all the opportunities you've got, even if it's not quite what you wanted to be doing. So they were sort of saying to me, look, you know, the best producers then go on to be the best reporters. You know, you've kind of got to master each job before going on to that next stage. So that's what I really tried to do. Yeah, that's I mean, that's that's brilliant advice. Well, there's two bits of advice in there, really, like asking people for help, definitely. Certainly in creative industries, people like being asked and they've normally got loads of experience and advice to pass on. Yeah. Um, and I think they like that there's something about helping new people coming through. I think we all like to feel like we have a purpose and we can pass it on to other people. But that idea of being sure-footed on each rung of the ladder is such good advice. that It's brilliant to be um, ambitious and one-minded, but you have to be sure each step of the way there's i mean i know so many people that have like gone in for example in comedy gone to edinburgh and done an hour's edinburgh show way before they're ready to do it yeah and then you know it, you you might as well wait until you've got the skills to i mean i've waited eight years which is probably too long but i think <laughs> that is really good advice about being sure along the way and i think when you're doing a job as well where it's um you know if if things go wrong and badly wrong then it happens really publicly, doesn't it? And nobody wants that. Yeah. So it's sort of protecting yourself at the same time, isn't it? You want to make sure that when you've got those opportunities, you're ready to be able to make the most of them. And, you know, when you're working in TV and, and broadcasting live, just that whole thing can do funny things to you sometimes, as much as you've prepared for it in advance. And I remember the first time that I was given the opportunity to do something live and it's really scary. It was the it was the funniest story as well. It was a story about um, a big hole that had opened up in the road, and and a man had fallen down this hole. So I had to kind oh. of do the story. It's one of those ones that sounds like a, a joke story, doesn't it? But actually, this man had fallen down. He was okay. Yeah. But um, my friends were watching in absolute hysterics because I was trying to do that whole serious. <laughs> 
news, you know, breaking news. But it literally ended up breaking news. A man has fallen down the hole in the road. And, but they said that it was a funny story, but you looked like you were about to cry because I was trying to give it the sort of, you know, the right gravity and I'm a news Yeah. Um, whereas now you'd sort of say, you will never believe this story. You know, a, a hole opened yeah, up yeah. in the road, the man fell in, don't worry, he's okay. Yeah. You know, you do it completely differently. But when it was my first opportunity, I thought, right, this is it. I've got to give it the, you know, the seriousness it deserves. Um, what? Yeah. Did, was the mystery solved? Why Why had there been a hole that had opened up in the well, middle of the... Well, it's just one of those random local random. news stories that you do where there'd been some subsidence <laughs> or something or it was one of those ones where there'd been, I don't know, a well or or something underneath yeah. the road and it had just literally all, all fallen through. So it was quite an odd story. <laughs> and I will it's never forget weird. that one as the first time I was ever live on television. Amazing. Local news is... Oh, I was thinking... No, I was going to say, Jim, um, local news, well, local uh, probably might be something you're going to say. I mean, we're kind of losing local news a bit. I mean, particularly print local mm-hmm. news is is this kind of dying out, isn't it? And um, it seems like a real shame because I think it, it is often the place, the start for a lot of people to, you know, like you say, that first rung on the ladder to sort of really hone their skills and, um, you know, move forward, in, you know, onto bigger things. And I think it's a real shame that we're, we're sort of losing those things, particularly print, like I say, print local news rather than, I mean, obviously broadcast news is still going. But, um, yeah, it feels, it feels such a shame, really, that that's what's happened in the recent yeah, years. Yeah, it is a real shame. I mean, but there are those people, as much as it is a springboard in Mumbai, but there are also those people who are, are in the, that local news environment for years and years and years and sort of, mm. you know, it's, it's a really yeah, good yeah. skill to have to take those stories and um you know and, and put them in a way that's going to engage people i know in the chichester for example for example there's a there's a guy there who you know he was reporting when when i was working on it back back in the day however many years ago and, and he's still there now and it's lovely that there are those people that engage with the community that know the area mm. inside out that really get to the heart of situations mm. there and I think you know like we were talking about community before that's so important for kind of yeah. cohesion in the community bringing people together saying yeah these are the things that are important in your area these are the things that are going on and making sure that people know about it and it is sad that increasingly we're we're losing that that we don't have that sort of knowledge of things right on our doorstep that it is becoming mm. more national and you know the, the areas are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I think People love knowing what's going on just down the road from them, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Jim used to work in local <laughs> yeah, news, didn't you? Yeah, documented on this podcast my, uh, <laughs> my career as a local reporter and how I single-handedly closed the Uckfield Courier. Um, but, I mean, I remember I wanted to be a journalist as well, went to university in Southampton to do yeah. journalism. I just remember so many times turning up to do stories, Uckfield and then Seven Oaks for my patches. And just being terrified, just being terrified of like getting the story wrong, annoying people. I, I did one, I did a, uh, I mean, doorstepping I hated. Yeah. I did a death knock once and unfortunately I, <laughs> I timed it when they were having the wake at the house. Oh, that's awkward. So that was, I like walking down <laughs> oh, the drive, like, there's a lot of cars here. Okay, well, they've got a lot of, it's seven, they've got a lot of cars, knocked on the door and like a guy in a black suit and tie open. It's like, hello, I want to do a story about so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, it's not a good, not a good time. We're having the wake right now. Like, oh, no. oh, put a note through the door, and then, or gave him a note, and then thankfully the the uh, uh, the widow then rang me back later, and we'd actually did, end up doing a really nice story about this guy who was quite big in the community. But 
so many <laughs> I've just got so many memories of screwing up um, but it's part of you know most local reporters are young so it's part of their training it's part of yeah it's all up. a learning curve isn't it but what I realized was you know sometimes you've you've got to ask difficult questions about interviewing people yeah. you know you'll be you'll be sent there and and your editor will be saying right you know do what you can to get this interview and but what I realized is that actually uh, sometimes it's just sort of giving people the opportunity to speak and as, as horrible as sometimes it feels actually when they do do an interview people really appreciate the opportunity to talk about um, a loved one or a story or whatever it is that's that's gone on in their life you know sometimes for them that's a really important part of of processing it at the same time so yeah. I think you know, for, for relatives and things, actually interviews can be done in the right way, can be yeah. cathartic, can kind of help them through that process. But it's, it is really tough when you're starting out in your career and you're being sent wherever it is. I remember um, one of the first assignments I was sent to early on was at the Paddington rail crash. And I just oh, happened to right, be, yeah. um, you know, a, a radio reporter literally only just started straight out from doing my a postgraduate diploma so it's kind of the first time I was out on the road doing these types of things and to turn up at the scene of something like that and you know it's it's just shocking what you're seeing all around you but you kind of mm. have to switch off the part of your brain and just think right actually I'm I'm here to do a job yeah. I need to tell people what's going on you know when you're on radio you have to you have to be the eyes and ears you have to explain to people what you're seeing what's what's sort of what's happening and I've always kind of felt that responsibility that I'm there as like a conduit to tell people what's what's happening and to sort of try and put it in in a context for them and so I think you know I find find it a great privilege that's why I absolutely love working in news Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's really frustrating when there are these big breaking stories and and you're not working because you just want to be there you want to be involved and I think you know, sometimes people talk about musicians and they've got a musical brain. And I think sometimes, you know, news people, they've just got the brain that's wired in that kind of way that you just want to be there in the middle of it, finding stuff out, telling people, talking about it. And I mean, definitely, I found it weird at the beginning of the the whole pandemic situation because we had restrictions on the number of people that could go into our Good Morning Britain studio. So I wasn't in as much. And it's hard, again, when you're, when there's this, you know, big, continuous breaking news story of such national and international significance not being right there the whole time you know you've got all this information and you kind of want to process it and do something with it Mm. and and it's it's weird sometimes when you work in news and you're not able to be there at the at the heart of it at the same time yeah that's um i was just thinking there as well like doing things like going to like the paddington rail crash for example really full on and you're having to describe the events there was there i mean a did it did it affect you much afterwards i was wondering if there was support in place for you at that time as well to you know to deal with going through something like that because i mean that is quite horrendous for as like a, a very early assignment in your career yeah no there's no support i mean you know that that's the thing i think uh i, I imagine it's very different now but when i mm-hmm. was starting out going through all that it was very much sink or swim you know either you kind of cope with that that kind of stuff you were able to do it Mm. you got thrown in at the deep end you just had to get on with it and if you if you did a good job you know that's why you carried on getting employed so Mm. you did have that sort of pressure to think right I've just got to get on with this and 
in a sense, that does help because you just have to power on through and you just have to sort of yeah, be yeah. single-minded about it. But, yeah, there are those stories like that one that to this day, you know, I can see those images in my head. Mm. And just things like, you know, I talk, without going into great detail, but there's nothing sort of gory, but it was just the train carriage on its side and seeing a, a magazine that obviously someone just moments earlier had been sat on that train reading and it's just things like that you know just the small details of someone on a normal life that then I don't know what happened to the person that was reading that magazine um you know who knows but it's just images like that I think you know will just stay with me forever and and that we've had stories like that again haven't we where it's just those visual images things like the Grenfell Tower fire for example there are those ones that as a journalist, when you're involved in it, just stand out for you with the the heartache of everything that went on. And as much as you try and sort of separate the emotion when you're doing a story like that, it, you know, it, it is really hard because you put yourself in that situation. You put family members in that situation. You know, I was reading the story about the, the mum who, who was obviously having to make the heartbreaking decision to to sort of try and save her child by throwing it out of a window for someone to catch and you're like oh my god i just you You know i I just can't imagine it um and you know it's it's stories like that 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 always stay with you yeah because i mean because journalists are people as well i think i think there definitely is a sort of an assumption that well you're here to do a job so you, you know you stay strong and don't let it get to you but you're a person as well so of course if you're dealing with a heartbreaking story emotionally that's going to affect you as well and i think a lot of people maybe don't appreciate that that journalists feel the story as well well it's really interesting because i think everybody obviously interprets it differently don't they so you know if every journalist will sort of approach things a bit differently they take different things with them different views different emotions you're always going to get something slightly different i think you know when you start off in your career you've got this set image of, right, this is what a journalist does, this is how they do a story. And then I think probably you there's much more of you as you evolve because you realise, you know, a lot of it is how I as a person interpret things as well. And that's always going to be different, isn't it? You know, I spent a lot of my career, I think you think, you do an interview and you're like, oh, how would someone else have done that? Well, I'm sure they would have done it better. They would have asked better questions or different questions. Or should I have asked that question? Should I not have asked that question? But you've just kind of got to think, well, you know what? I'm me and this is the way yeah. I I do it. Yeah. And um, I hope other people like it. And if they continue to yeah. employ you, then that's a good sign, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can only do you, yeah. can't you? I mean, it's, it's easy to look around and think, oh, I'll do it that way or do it another way. But... It, you've got to try and do it your your way, haven't you? Otherwise, it, you know, you're not being true to yourself. Yeah, I think you've got to give it that yeah. sort of genuine, you know, the legitimacy and, and for people to know that it's coming from you and it and it's heartfelt. It's got to be genuine. You know, gone are the days when, you know, people used to just, especially when you think about news presenters, they just used to sit and deliver the news and this is how it was and that you know the thing I love Mm. about Good Morning Britain is it is a bit more of a discussion about the news we're talking about it we're dissecting it we're we're doing it in a more conversational way that I think appeals to people engages people more it's more of like an interactive process you know you know when you then look on social media 
what people's views are. So it's not just like, right, here is the news, I'm giving it to you. But it's but it's actually sort of giving it that personal angle at the same time. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's yeah. good to, and it doesn't happen all the time, it doesn't happen, you know, sometimes it happens later in life. Good to sort of know what your strengths are. Like, I remember, I was only in local news for two years, but I remember when I went to the Seven Oaks Chronicle, we had a reporter there, senior reporter called Stuart Woolwich, uh, I haven't seen for years. Really nice guy, but he was a hard news reporter. So he was, I would say, borderline paranoid that the local council were up to something most days. <laughs> Conspiracy yeah, theories, so. was he? Um, he <laughs> and so he'd always be on the phone to the council, and be like, "Well, what about this? What about this?" Whereas I hated that, and I knew that I liked the stories that were more human interest. So I did a story about a boy got stuck up a tree once, um, and stuff like that. So. But <laughs> that's what i like doing so it's so very after local a while, news our editor it? ian a story would come on and he'd know who to give it to he'd know who would do a better job he'd know that if it was a council story Stuart would mine it for all it's worth if it was a boys like up a tree jim would get great quotes and do a good story on it so it benefited the newsroom for us to know what we were good at because i know if i did a council story they'd they'd palm me off for some quote i'd be like okay thank you thanks for your time yeah. <laughs> um, so i don't know and that i went to sort of that as you were talking then and actually even from, I'd have been, what, 24 then? Even at that age, I sort of knew what I liked and what I didn't. Um, yeah, but also I think it's about, you know, not beating yourself up for the fact that you're thinking, oh, I'm not as good as whoever for doing this. Yeah. Thinking, do you know what? This is what I yeah. am good yeah. at. I'm great at taking yeah. a story about a boy stuck up a tree and, you know, I will give it my all. So it's sort of thinking, yeah, this is this is my niche. Yeah. This is what I'm I'm there to mm. do. But I guess... The thing is with journalism, you've you've kind of got to make sure that you're you can deal with all the bits that are thrown at you, um, mm. and, and you know, and, and make it work. Whatever the thing I love is, you know, particularly when I used to work in at Meridian, is is going out and speaking to people and hearing mm. their stories and then putting that out. And people would just tell you extraordinary stories, and often that would be the most powerful news story of the day you know never mind what the top news story was supposed to be about like I don't know some kind of council misdemeanor or whatever but actually the one that engaged people would be the person who was speaking from their heart about a situation that had happened to them and I find Mm. that quite often those are the most powerful yeah people people are fascinating that's my one thing I took away have you seen that clip of the guy doing a vox pop I used to hate doing vox pops oh my god they were the worst and it always be like the most mundane question what do you have for breakfast on a Tuesday like, oh, I don't want to ask six people and get their name and addresses um, and a photo but there's one clip isn't there of, of a guy I think in Liverpool and he's going around saying do you asking members of the public what do you remember of the 1981 FA Cup final and, he, and some guy goes I remember it I, I was the goalkeeper and he just oh. randomly runs into the Liverpool goalkeeper from whenever that Final was amazing, really amazing. And then they get another interview, and he talks about his memory of the game and stuff. Um, what I mean, what are the odds of that? But in the end, I think that day, I'd imagine that's probably the most interesting story they got because they bumped into the yeah. right goalkeeper. Exactly, just from going out and speaking to people. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I used to love Fox Pops because you never knew what you were going to get. You would always get some kind of random answer, wouldn't you? Like the great British public would never let you down when you had the assignment to go and get a selection of opinions from people. And um, sometimes it would be absolutely crazy. I remember one time I was in a school 
And I think it was something about some healthy eating drive that the school were doing. And I don't know, they were hoping to run it out nationwide or something. So I thought, well, I'll do a box pop speaking to children about how the menu was going down. Like, what's your, you know, what are you enjoying? What's your favourite food? And they all said chips. <laughs> I literally had to put this. Turkey twizzlers. I kind of had to do a bit of a tongue in cheek. And how's this going down? And it literally had about 25 children saying, I like chips. <laughs> Jim, it's us again, and uh, we've got some big news. We have indeed. Uh, Giles, I can't believe I'm saying this. We've written a book, a book about blank moments based on this very podcast. Yeah, we've been recording this podcast for a while now, and as we've been doing, we've realised that everyone has these difficult blank moments. All our wonderful guests that we have on the podcast and our listeners get in touch with us all the time to tell us about their own situations, their own experiences of blank moments. And sometimes that can be from a personal life, from their career, the relationships they're in, or maybe it's a public situation. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's one of those terms that can be applied to anything. Social anxiety, imposter syndrome, just sort of generally being off form, having an identity crisis. I mean, it's all part of the human condition. And yet we all get thrown off from time to time and sort of made to feel a bit helpless yeah so the book is made up of all these different chapters that sort of concentrate on these various themes that come up in the pod so whether it's uh, public failure social anxiety fear mental health grief all the things that our amazing guests have talked about on the podcast yeah i mean and those guests include louis theroux david harbour reg d hunter dawn french rachel paris amanda abington john ronson rufus sewell gary lineker all these people that really opened up to us about these difficult moments and what we've done is we've dived into them um explained how we relate to them talked a little bit about our own experiences and almost gone on a journey of this discovering blank moments and how they've helped us and we hopefully we take the reader on a journey with us yeah, there's loads of stuff in there for everybody, I think. It's a bit memoir, it's a bit self-help, and there's lots of interactive bits in there as well, so you can do your own gratitude list, and there's tips on uh, if you're having sleeping problems. So all different things that you can take out of the book. And where can people get hold of this book, Jim? Well, so it comes out in March in 2021, but it's available to pre-order right now from Amazon, waterstones.com, and hive.co.uk. Yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to everyone getting their hands on it. And uh, hopefully lots of people will be able to identify their own blank moments. And you never know what you might find out. Do you miss some of that stuff? Because obviously your role is very different now. Yeah, I do. But then, the, you know, there are there are sort of always di- different bits about the the job that you love and it's great you know we've got correspondents that go up and down the country Mm. and kind of are there in people's homes well not at the moment they're not but you know would be on a normal basis speaking to people Mm. so it's lovely that we're still able to do that kind of thing and you know it's great that you've got that light and shade within a program at the same time so I think as much Mm. as you want to have the serious news you also want to have a laugh at whatever viral video everyone's talking about or you know, we've had loads of people doing amazing things, haven't we, for charity, Captain Sir Tom Moore, mm. speaking, speaking to people like that yeah. who've done extraordinary things. That's, you know, that's a kind of a great balance, I think. And and for me, that's that's kind of the closest I get to the things like that that I used to do when I was out on the road speaking to people directly. Can't believe you like Vox Pops. What was mm. your secret? I used to hate them. Hate appro- <laughs> like, trying to approach someone. 
Oh God! And then ask them. God, oh, I think I used to see it as a as a funny challenge. You know, you're like, okay, what's what's the strangest comment I'm going to get today when I speak to people? <laughs> yeah, that's a better way of doing it. I just used to hide in the car park and then hope someone passed my car. Well, or you're just going to put on lots. If it's radio, you could just put on lots of different voices and pretend that you've spoken <laughs> yeah. to people. Hello, I'm Stephen. <laughs> I like pistachios. I think they would have known it was you. Jim, get uh, off. <laughs> <laughs> Rat man enough for blaring in the background. Um, so from from Meridian, you went to Sunrise. Is that right with Eamon? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I mean, I was yeah, I was really lucky because I, I joined Sky News. And I wasn't quite sure what I was going to be doing, but obviously going from a situation where I was doing a half hour news program that was, you know, carefully planned. We knew the run order to sort of launching out in the world of Sky News, which was 24 hour rolling news. You never quite knew what you were going to be doing. But luckily mm. early on, they said to me, would you like to join the breakfast show? Would you like to join Sunrise with Eamon? And I thought, oh, this would be a, this would be amazing. I was so excited. Apart from the early morning alarm call um yeah and then ever since then I've worked in breakfast television but I absolutely love it I was never a morning person at all I used to hate what, mornings what time do you have to so get up I have up? to get up now 2 45 and wow which is, that's the night isn't it it's not, not a morning yeah, that's the... <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a morning you just have to you just jump out of bed and there's no snooze you just have to get straight in the shower and um yeah, I think, you know, I'm I'm lucky because the car comes and picks me up. They have newspapers there. So I just sort of start my homework and start going through the news as yeah, soon as yeah. I get there. And then by the time I get into work, I've I've woken up. But I was really, really lucky. I had seven years at Sky News and it was it's an amazing place to work because there's there's no other grounding like it working in live news like that. You know, you talk about single stream. You really need to know your stuff because you never know when a huge breaking story is. Yeah gonna happen mm. and I was doing sunrise with Eamon and um you know we used to have such a laugh it was it was great it was such a lovely show to work on and you know he's brilliant to watch in action he's such a professional although he's very mischievous at the same time so you never quite yeah, know say, yeah, what was going to come your way but again that's yeah. great because you know I got I got used to kind of you'd think on your feet and you never knew what you were going to be asked about which which mm. was brilliant you know it's all really good and then I I was, had my own show after sunrise from nine till 10 where it was just me and that was um you know that was definitely a sort of a real learning curve for me because sometimes you'd have a, a breaking news story whether it was about a court case or something or that was happening at the mm. time or a big breaking story something was going on and sometimes I literally had no nothing scripted for a whole hour and wow. you just had to talk and just keep talking <laughs> so there's you know you just have to kind of go for it and um it's it, it, it was brilliant though and I'm so glad to have had that training that kind of opportunity to be able to do oh, let me just say that again sorry that <laughs> don't worry don't worry opportunity to be able to do all of that was just incredible and then when I got the call from Good Morning Britain to join there it was you know it was great because I thought oh, staying with breakfast again that's the only thing with the early morning <laughs> alarm calls but it was great to be able to take everything that I'd done at Sky and then come back and I think do do a few more of those bits and pieces where you know there's a there's a bit more chat there's a bit more interaction you know the light-hearted mm. stories it, it kind of just brought all of it together for me where I'd come from at Meridian what I'd learned at Sky News bringing it all together 
on Good Morning Britain, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity. And I, you know, I, I do feel really lucky to be doing a job that I love. There are so many people who don't get to, you know, to do that. They have a job that they dream about. And, uh, you know, I, I had a I have a, had a pivotal decision at one point in my life. And I thought, do, do I go for it? Do I follow this come what may? And I thought, I am never going to forgive myself if I don't give it a go. At least if I've given it a go and it doesn't work out, I mm. can kind of say, do you know what? I did everything I could and it, and it wasn't for me. Um, but luckily it all worked out so far. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like we're all, you know, you, you, you're very experienced, but you're still talking about learning each time you're doing these different jobs. And I think we all are really, aren't we? No matter how experienced we are, how long we've been doing a job. I mean, I'm still working on my current, current job, but, um, which I seem to change every couple of years. Um, but I think that's important to be like that. And you know, you're talking about working with big characters like Eamon and obviously peers at, at GMB. I guess you're always learning from those kind of people, whether it's that they're keeping you on your toes by being unpredictable, <laughs> which I'm sure happens. But I think, yeah. I guess it's, it's important to never feel like you've got your feet under the table and you're done. Like you're all, there's always stuff to learn about how long you've been doing a job. Mm. Yeah, I think so. And I think you can always look at things differently. You can always think, how can I do that better? How can I do that differently? And I think once you, once you lose that and you sort of think, yeah, I could do this, you know, that then it's kind of, it mm. sort of loses the magic in a sense. I think you always want to be striving to do things a little bit better, a little bit yeah. differently. I think you always want to be looking around thinking, how are the people doing it? You know, while still staying true to ourselves, which is what we were talking about before. But you can take elements of what other people do and think, yeah, how can I how can I do things a little bit differently that will that will make things a bit better? And I think you 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 want to keep hold of that Mm. because that's what keeps you interested and engaged and, and alive when you're doing your job rather than just being like on a treadmill. Oh, I go in, I do my job. This is what I do. And then I go home you actually want to be making the most of what you're doing. What, what elements have you learned from Eamon and Piers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it is that unpredictability. The thing about both of them that I'm absolutely continually fascinated by is that they just kind of rip up the rule book that, you know, as a sort of news presenter, as a journalist, when you're coming up through the ranks and people say to you, okay, this is what you do, you know, you don't give an opinion yeah. and, you know, you, d- you don't do this, you don't shout at guests, you don't interrupt unnecessarily <laughs> and everything, you know, you're sort of taught that that's the way you do it. And then you come across people like peers, people like Eamon, who who don't stick to the rule book and, and do it brilliantly. And you're like, actually, yeah, you know, that's great. That's really refreshing you know interrupt someone keep interrupting them you haven't answered my question you still haven't answered my question or now you haven't answered my question Mm. um you know it's it's just great and I think it takes people like that to to shake things up a bit doesn't it and sometimes just to take things by the scruff of the neck and and kind of you know I was going to say wake up everybody but then peers would be like oh you give me my book a mention (laughs) no yeah let's not do that (laughs) but yeah it is interesting I was also going to ask you about how how what it's like with regards to social media because obviously you know GMB's talked about a lot um and when you've got obviously got um maybe challenging stories that come on and there's maybe you know we know from from social media there's a lot there's a lack of nuance there you know it's very binary um with regards to you know discussions and arguments um 
Does, does any of that stuff kind of get to you? Like when when you see yeah, people diving in and piling in on various things that you've addressed on the show? I think the key is a lot of the time to try and ignore it because I find mm. Twitter especially has become just increasingly nasty, actually. Yeah. It's really sad because it started off as just being a lovely a lovely way for people to be able to connect and in the early days I just used to love chatting to people and they'd have questions about stuff and you know you could sort of chat back and now I'll use it for work purposes but actually I I just kind of don't I I try not to to read too much of it because I think there are too many people out there who are just quick to put down thoughts that well, that they shouldn't really, yeah, you know. Yeah. They can mm. set somebody's face. I'm like, why do you even do that? Why? There's so many unnecessary comments. And it, I don't know, it breaks my heart that that's the way the world is heading because I don't want to be in a situation where people are just out to be critical or nasty or take people down mm. because they can do. I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you put something out there that you you know... Or, you, you know, you, they obviously do it because they want to hurt people or get to people or wind people up or whatever. So, mm. you know, I, I kind of escape a lot of it, luckily. You see some of the stuff that Piers has sent, and I don't know how he does it, but it's just like water for ducks back for him. And I think you, you have to take that approach because it, you can't you can't engage with all the things that are said. Um, mm. You know, it's a shame because it, it's quite a good, a useful barometer. Otherwise, you can see, especially when you put news out there, you can see what things people are interested in. Mm. You know, sometimes there'll be a story and, and you're thinking, oh, actually, loads of people are asking these same questions or loads of people have reacted to this same point. So that's obviously really important to them. So it can be a really useful tool for showing you what people are feeling. But I just think there are too many people out there who are using it for the wrong purposes. It's, it, it reminds me a bit of being at school. Because there's a lot of people that will say nasty stuff for clout. And it's a bit like yeah. groups of school kids where one person, you know, slags off someone else to get the rest of the crowd to laugh. It feels a bit yeah. like that. But I've just started going, I never, for years, I was like, I'm never going to block anyone. I'm never going to mute anyone. I'll just let them do their thing. But I've just gone block and mute all the time now. If you've been nasty to me, like, unnecessarily. If I've said, if I've made, like, a bad joke and you come back at me, fine. But if I, if you've been unnecessarily rude to me and you don't even know me, you haven't met me instant block mm. instant mute because because you don't you don't get your opinions validated now i don't, I don't want to see your opinions on that um and yeah. it has in a way made twitter a bit a bit better i actually made my account private for a bit this week um but then i stupidly forgot that i need to promote my work and people couldn't retweet it so i had to make it <laughs> unprivate again <laughs> yeah i think you know, i messaged like, oh, you that yeah, if i do a video I can't, oh yeah um but it is it's management it's 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 management of of your feed mm. because in a way that's then management of your mental health because if you're constantly seeing people saying nasty stuff like sort of at the top of the show it's it's draining it's exhausting yeah and you need to manage it's that. not it's it's not good for you at all and it, I, it, it's horrible to think that that's the way things are going isn't it that yeah. you you sort of have to ignore what's being put out there because the the comments can just be so deliberately because people are doing it deliberately aren't they to to wind people up you know and everybody went through a stage didn't they where they'd think is it best to out these people to sort of retweet them and say look at this abuse I've been sent Mm. but then I think a lot of people just want that oxygen of publicity so I think the best thing is just to completely ignore them but then it's you know some of those ones the way you think no that person's got it wrong or they've deliberately 
misinterpreted what I've said or I didn't say that they you know and you think oh and then the annoying thing is you you sort of like you're saying you've used up that negative energy haven't you on them already you're like ah I wish I'd never even read that so I just kind of try not to I just skim through and just try and avoid a whole load of them now because you know that that's the sad thing you just you don't you almost don't want to get dragged down that spiral just in case there are negative comments in there totally isn't yeah, it's interesting with Twitter, particularly, I think, because now, I guess in some respects, um, news programs are competing with Twitter because, you know, you can get your news very, very quickly and opinion very, very quickly on those platforms. So I guess in some respects, it's quite, you know, it, you kind of have to get in bed with the devil to a certain extent. Well, I think it's there for a different role, isn't it? Because You know, mm. sometimes... People will spot things on Twitter, you know, eyewitnesses, for example, will flag things up and you're like, oh, great, something's going on. But it's mm. also notoriously unreliable. So they'll put pictures out. Someone will put a picture out saying this is a protest wherever, you know, and it's not. Yeah. So actually you can't trust it at mm. all. And I think the one thing about trusted media sources is, you know, we will do our damnedest to check our sources to to verify everything, to make sure that the news we're putting out is is real is true is happening is accurate whereas people on twitter can just chuck things out left right and center so you know i'd like to think that people will will always still rely on certain sources to get their news from because you, you know you just can't trust it otherwise and i i hate mm. with a passion this this kind of misinformation that's put about some people do it don't they again deliberately to sort of just try and cause trouble and we saw a lot of it with the pandemic and it was just driving me nuts you know and some of my friends would be getting in touch saying oh you know I've heard this this and the other and I'm like no it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong don't take don't take what you hear on Twitter on Facebook or wherever else as as being fact you know even if you hear it from someone that you think is someone would be like oh I heard this from you know a teacher at my school and you know you just don't know where they've heard it from yeah. go always go back to a source a trusted source mm. double check it you know triple check it don't go telling other people things that are really important because you know you can cause irreparable damage by that when it was some of the things the health checks that you could do how you could protect yourself yeah. you know we're talking about people's lives yeah. here don't kind of listen to your mate on Facebook when it comes to things like that. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that misinformation also got Donald Trump elected. Like, there, there's a there's an incredible documentary on Netflix, I think it's called The Social Dilemma, about how that misinformation spreads and can influence elections. Like, it's scary. It's really scary to think that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... it's. And I think some people do it willfully. I think, yeah, there's, like, a willful intent to spread misinformation. And you're right, you have to be really careful. Like, Diego Maradona passed away last night and my first thought when i saw those tweets was i wonder if that's real or a joke and that's awful like you know this is, this yeah. is the death of an actually footballing legend arguably the best ever footballer and it's because of the way twitter has walked my mind i didn't know if it was a joke or someone had done it unintentionally and that's, yeah. that's well, be- awful yeah because of the number of times where people have spread fake news about well-known people dying that that's the thing you can't trust it yeah. anymore it's like the boy who cried wolf, isn't it? But then you're right. Then it mm. comes to the stage where you're thinking, I can't believe I've actually got yeah. to then double check to see, you know, is that really true? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's funny it's one of those things now where you see like a well-known name come up on and it's trending and you go on it and there'll be about 50 tweets of people saying oh phew i thought they died yeah, yeah. but that often haven't died but it's because like that you know because we've all been sucked into that thing where we think something's trending we probably think that someone's passed away um yeah well, Charlotte, it's been an absolute pleasure talking oh, to you today. Sorry to end on Thank that you note. so much for coming <laughs> on. Know, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll start on a really negative note. <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, that's been great. Oh, <laughs> we all need to go and listen to some lovely music now, don't we? Uh, well, don't we listen to some, some mindful yeah. moments, definitely. <laughs> And I wanted to say about your podcast as well, because yeah. that's great oh, as well. Thank you. That, has that been nice over this period, oh, doing something like that? It's kept me going. It was great, because for all those times when I wasn't in the studio as much doing Good Morning Britain, it was really nice to mm. have a project here at home that kind of kept my brain going. And, I mean, hats off to you guys, because you were both brilliant at it, just sort of... It's just like, you know, we're sitting here having a chat, like we would be, like if we were down the pub or something. But Remember that? For me, it was a really different <laughs> format to to get used to, yeah. because I'm used yeah. to doing interviews with people that are about five or ten minutes long, and, and you've got like 45 minutes, an hour to chat to someone, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know what, you know, what you can go through all sorts of things in that time can't you like a meander through people's whole life story yeah. if, if you want to so it's like a really different way of of chatting to people isn't it speaking to people and I find it fascinating though but it was great to do and well like I'm sure you find you just get to hear all sorts of interesting insights about people that no other type of yeah. sort of program would do would it yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing we love about podcasts. I mean, for Jim and I, it's our therapy session this <laughs> Pretty week. Much, yeah. I mean, it really is, you know, because, you know, we're talking about um, all these different subjects that come up on themes that come up on the podcast. And we, yeah, we get to have these sort of genuine conversations with people and hear about people's life, like you say, life stories and how they how they sort of meander through yeah. life. And um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And, and I think there's a beautiful thing about podcasts. Yeah, I think I think it, the lovely thing is that it actually brings people together because what you realise is when you hear from people in more depth and it's a bit more stripped back, isn't it? So people are chatting yeah. about things they wouldn't otherwise have the chance to chat about. You realise that everyone else is the same as you. Totally. You've got the same oh, exactly. thoughts about stuff, the same feelings exactly. about stuff, you know, whether it comes to sort of our, our work situations and how we approach that and what goes on in the rest of our lives. You know, we're all the same, which is why it's, it kind of brings people closer together and it's nice to have that sense of, you know, um, just that, that sense that, that other people are, are on the same wavelength yeah. as you, whatever you're going through. And I think we've all, for different reasons, everyone's had a bit of a weird time, haven't they, recently? So it's mm. just nice to think, even though we're doing it over the airwaves and remotely, it kind of has that that connection with people that actually means a lot and can be... Quite consoling, I think, can't it? When you're, when you're having those moments where you're thinking, oh, what's going yeah. on? I totally agree. And uh, we get a lot of lovely tweets from our listeners and they say the exact same thing, that they love hearing Aww. from people and uh, that we are, we have way more in common. What was that Joe, lovely Joe Cox t- uh, quote? There's way more in common than, than that that divides us. Is that right? Yeah. Which I think is absolutely true. And it's true. And actually, you know, that's, that's Twitter at its best, isn't it? When it gives you the opportunity to hear from people who are who are sort of reacting in ways like that and that's kind of what it should be applauded for because it's a great way of doing that and and allowing those connections to happen funny you should say that actually i think 
thinking about um, the good sides of Twitter's actually you were saying about Diego Maradona's passing and actually the outpouring of love yeah. um, for Diego Maradona on Twitter last night. I thought that was lovely. You know, you see like a community, a football community, well, you know, not just football community, but sports community or people that are not even into football coming together and actually paying their respects. Those are the really lovely moments we you see on social media and actually what I kind of think it was probably invented yeah, for. Yeah, because it's like being able to have a national conversation, isn't it? Yeah. But sort of with people on an individual basis sometimes. So it kind of is a way of everybody being able to react to something en masse at the same time. It's Yeah, it was a, it's an incredible invention. We I just think we need to make sure that it's, yeah, it's there for what it should be there for. And I, yeah. I, the, I worry about having a five-year-old, what on earth Agreed, social media yeah, is yeah. going to look like in however many years' time when we see it's, mm. what it's like now. I hope that there'll be a, you know, a step back, a reset, a kind of... We've all had a bit of a few months where we've wanted to do things a bit differently, and I just kind of hope that we all keep sight of that and want to sort of actually be nice about things and try and make people feel better rather than worse about the situation. Agreed. Yeah, no, Agreed. Charlotte, we always do at the end of the podcast. I'm sort of, um, I'm sort of throwing this at you now without any sort of preparation. <laughs> <It's the blank laughs> way. We always ask our guests about um, how they get through their own blank moments. So it's obviously an interpretive thing, and we've talked about sort of various different things. Oh, today, just help, bear one. But, bear with me one second. I'm so of sorry. Course. Right, what's oh, I was trying to. Right, okay. Sorry, my computer just don't did worry. A, don't worry. Did something weird. What's going on? Right, I'm back. It's okay. Um, yeah, so at the end of the, um, the podcast, we always ask our guests about um, how they get through their own blank moments. Now, it's a kind of interpretive um, term, but, you know, it's it's basically those difficult moments in life. I'm sure you've had sort of difficult moments on air um, through, the, through the years, particularly doing live <laughs> television. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, if, if you've got any advice for any of our listeners on how you get through your own sort of difficult moments or blank moments. Yeah, I think for me... Um, well, when it comes to sort of moments on air, I think I just kind of feel we're all human. Do you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. And actually, sometimes those are the things that people watching react to and empathise with the most because they see you as a human being there. You know, you don't want to be sort of too perfect and getting all your words right the whole time. I, I like to think I sort of throw in the odd mistake just to show people that, you know, these <laughs> yeah, things can happen. Yeah. But actually people love yeah. it. Those are the bits that people love when things go wrong. And sometimes you just got to hold your hands up, make the best of it. You know, if it's appropriate to be able to do it, laugh it off, then, you know, that, that that's just what happens, isn't it, in life? Mm. I think on a more general basis, for me, it's always just feeling, do you know what, this time will pass. And it's about thinking tomorrow is another day, because as much as you might be feeling that you can't get through a certain time or it's really tough or there's a certain situation that you're really worried about, that actually the next day things are going to feel brighter, things are going to feel better. And it's just a time that you've got to to get through and another one for me I think that's kept me going is don't worry about the things you can't change because I would always spend a lot of time I think particularly when you work in news when like we were saying yeah sometimes it's good to think how could I have done that better or differently but sometimes you think Mm. oh no why did I do that and actually you know what it's done you can't do anything about it it's literally done and gone don't waste energy stressing and worrying about the things that that you, you can't change them now they've they've gone worry about the things that 
will happen in the future or, or anticipate them. Think about it. How will I do it differently next time? But don't beat yourself up for for something that you can't actually do anything about. So for me, that that's sort of how I try and see those moments. Um, it is just sort of one moment in time. Yeah. And as bad as it might feel at that particular moment, then, you know, only takes one thing to change. It only takes you to wake up the next morning and feel completely differently about things um, for the whole world to to feel differently and to feel right again so you know I just I hope that helps people because it's horrible isn't it when you're going through those times when you just can't see a way out or you know things feel particularly different mm. at a at a time but it you know we all have those moments and it's just a question of sometimes getting through and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel absolutely spot on. really good advice i'm nodding along through that because i'm agreeing with all of it <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah that was brilliant well charlotte thank you so so oh, much for coming on i've been you. wanting to get you on for ages so it's lovely to be able to sort it out and yeah lovely to see you again i mean first time we ever met was you were interviewing me yeah i know how funny is that because you used to, you do yeah. all those photos every year oh, yeah and we spoke to you about so that randomly, on good morning yeah. britain didn't we it's yeah. just such a great story you were with john stapleton and, i, I think. love the fact that you and, do that Oh, thank and you. And we've got and, your uh, books. Oh, have you yeah. have, yes. So Ella Rose loves yes, your books. Oh, amazing. Oh, that's lovely Absolutely to hear. Absolutely loves them. So thank you very oh, much. Oh, that's sweet. No, no, you're work. welcome. Um, but yeah, it was random that day because the, we, they, I think they'd asked us to go up to the studio to do it. And my wife was working the next day. So she's like, no, we can't do that. So they sent a crew down. Oh, amazing. To... So that though all the neighbours were like, <laughs> we've got, yes, we got a superstar <laughs> in our midst. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and then the kids were just not playing ball oh, at no. all. You know, like don't work with kids or um, animals. Yeah. I mean, they were just, yeah, it was horrendous. It went terribly, <laughs> terribly bad. It did go terribly. Well, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, <laughs> but it was great. Is it on YouTube somewhere that I can watch? Well, you're very kind. I don't know if it's anywhere. You, I'm, I'm not sure. It'll be somewhere yeah. out there. <laughs> it, it probably is. It's on there somewhere. It'll be online somewhere. But yeah, the, my uh, my children, Jim, were not very um, kind. <laughs> wow, I need to <laughs> watch <day>. this now. <laughs> but again, those will be the moments that people yeah, love. Because exactly. it's always something exactly, like when we exactly, interview people, yeah. especially because at the moment you're interviewing a lot more people from home, aren't you? Of course, so, yeah, you know, yeah. As well as kind of checking out their bookcases and whatever they've got going on behind them. <laughs> yeah, it gives yeah. us a great opportunity to do that. <laughs> but also it's sort of, you know, uh, are we going to have any unexpected yeah. moments with children, with pets, with yeah. something going on? It's It's like kind of you know interview jeopardy at the moment which is great yeah. you're just thinking what's going to happen next so it's those kind of moments that yeah add the spice that, to it yeah we all want mo- that moment with that um that was he a senator or something that the guy that was talking on skype oh, and then his, no, he was at a his child wandered into some room. sort but yeah and his two kids walk in and the little girl was doing that oh i think that was last year wasn't yeah it? and the mum comes that, in and come the mum comes in and, so and pulls them out yeah so but it's brilliant but you've kind of got to go with it you've got to embrace yeah. it because yeah, i'm yeah, interested yeah. i'm always interested in watching people's reactions and some people are kind of like pretend they're not here yeah, and other yeah. people are like yeah i'll find your yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. there was a lovely one where a lady was being uh, interviewed from home and her kid came in and watched, and said Who, who's that talking about the news reporter at the other end and I can't remember who it was but the guy was fantastic and he was like hello I'm Steve whatever 
Why oh. are you painting or something? And they had this lovely little 30 second interaction with the kid. And then the kid went off and was like, bye, <laughs> bye, Steve. And it was just, I thought the guy handled it like perfectly. And it was so, as you say, it was so human. And it was just, yeah, it melted my heart. It was the, the guy was, oh. the reporter was absolutely brilliant. It's just like, A, the joys of working from home, and B, you know, I think that is just children at their best. Although sometimes you'd be thinking, yeah. what are they say <laughs> yeah, next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Oh, so lovely you. to see you. Lovely to speak to yeah, both of you. Too. Charlotte Hawkins on the Blank Podcast. Wonderful guest, such a nice person, and so much good advice. Oh, it was wonderful. It was so lovely to talk to Charlotte. She's such a lovely person and uh, a real, really lovely, you know, we say this a lot on the pod, but lovely energy about her and, um, yeah, just just really smiley and lovely. Yeah, it was just so nice to talk to her and loads of great advice. Um, you know, that thing about the the ladders and, you know, making sure you step on every, you know, you work your way up on every step. And that was really great. And then, yeah, her, her take on Black Moments was brilliant as well. Um, do you know what I've noticed? That uh, we've had a few news reporters or TV, TV reporters and presenters come on. And they're really great guests. Because I've noticed what they do is, and Charlotte, Charlotte did this as well, is they wait for you to finish your point. And they're always ready then to come in. Like they're really yes. good at listening to you. Like, and I hope we Unlike the you same. and I talk over each other. <laughs> yeah. But I've noticed it. We had a, quite a few presenters and reporters come on. They're really good. And it is your job, isn't it? You have to be listening to the other person yeah. and then respond to that point. And um, I noticed that today with Charlotte as well. And it just makes her such a lovely guest for coming on the pod. So, yeah, just wanted to mention that. But, um, no, I think that's a really good observation, man. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, it was certainly it was the same with um, with Nikki Campbell yes, and um, yeah. and Laura Whitmore, who obviously yeah. does radio and stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah, broadcasters they if they do like radio shows or yeah. TV shows. That yeah, they have that those moments of those little pauses, and because they're can, thinking, and they're like thinking yeah. about what you're saying and. Um, yeah, it's really fascinating watching it's, that in person. Yeah, it's something I'd like to... I mean, I guess it's a skill you learn along the way. I mean, I, I, I'd love to uh, practice that kind of stuff because I do notice that I don't always think... <laughs> when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm talking on this podcast, is what I was going to say. I get distracted by things that pop in my head that I think, think I've got to say that, and then I get halfway mm. through saying it and thought, this has got absolutely nothing to do with the podcast. Why am I saying it? And I've got better at then just saying, sorry about that. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think that's fine. I think it's all right to come in with, with sort of random stuff. Um, or even stuff that's on point, but then sort of dissipates, as you're saying yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I, I do think, yeah, I'm, I'm very much, I'm, a, I'm an ummer and an ara, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to, like, what can I say next? Uh, um, um, uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's something I need to, to work on I don't still. notice that, but I would say ums and ahs, we've said this before, ums and ahs are part of conversation anyway. Like, mm. I think people, people were like... People, are, the ums and ahs have a bad rap, and I actually think they are part of conversation. It's just your brain mm. ticking over and working yeah. out what's next. And we need, I actually think as listeners, we need the ums and ahs as well, because well, it gives us a little Susie moment. Susie Dent, back on uh, episode four, go back and have a listen. Susie Dent um, actually did mention that, because she said that she ums and ahs a lot. And she said that, but actually, she'd read some some uh, scientific 
don't know where I'm going with that. Stuff. <laughs> uh, she said that she'd re- read some um, something in the press that that is actually a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it gives our brains time yeah. to di- digest what is, is, is being said. I'm sure it was Susie's words then that I was that was in my head as I was saying that then. So it must yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. You'd start that I'd, <laughs> I'd learnt it from. Well, let's wrap up this week's pod and pods for 2020 before we do that obviously if anyone wants to get in contact with us to say what pods they've liked episodes they've liked um or just to wish us merry christmas we'd love that wouldn't we giles i'd love a merry christmas message yeah, yeah that would That'd really nice. make my day so yeah, yeah please so, do send us something you can get us on twitter facebook and instagram at at blank pod and you could also email. Imagine if we got an email. What a great Christmas present that would be. That would actually make my Christmas massively. Mm. That would be lovely. Our email address is theblankpodcast2018 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you have a fantastic Christmas slash that last weird last week of the year where no mm. one knows what day it is. And just, just veg out, eat some chocolate. Don't, don't worry about it. Let's just get through to 2021 and hope it's a better year. It, and it is will weird, be. that bit, isn't it? It's like a, the never zone of time. I think it's fine just to accept it mm. and just don't worry about it. And just watch Die Hard over and over, eat the leftover chocolates and just chill. You've, you've earned it this year. Die Hard has got my favourite, probably my favourite line from any film ever in it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Go on. When Alan Rickman, I'm not good, I'm not very good at impersonations, but there's a bit where he says, um, he's just basically he's just um, assassinated the owner of the the, the Mr. Oh, Takagashi, yeah. and he says Mr. Takagashi will not be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. He is excellent in that Alan Rickman. Oh, God, he's so brilliant. good. In that so movie. good. Uh, so I recommend Gruber. watching that. Hans Gruber, not to be uh, and not to be mistaken for Gruber um, in Hello Hello. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. Um, and just to confirm, Die Hard One is a Christmas movie. It is absolutely. It is. It hundred percent is. So I'd is Gremlins. Die Hard. So is Gremlins, and I'd argue Die Hard Two is also a Christmas. Yeah, movie. Yeah. Well, does doesn't it happen almost immediately after the first one? In it's like a, a year later. I think. It's is the it? Next I Christmas. think it's no. I think it's even sooner than that. Oh, really? I've got a feeling oh, it might be like and... within 24 hours. No, it's not because he's flying. <laughs> the kids are older and he's flying back to oh, see Holly. We have to oh, check no. that out. She's coming into Washington. We might have to check that out, anyway, dude. We'll, I'm... we'll check it out. Okay, I'm going to anyway. Google that now and, then, and yeah. then text you. But anyway, look, we hope our listeners have a great Christmas. Thank you for all your support this year and for listening to the pods and interacting with us. And we'll see you in 2021. <laughs>
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.